Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome to the show, everybody. The World Series of Poker. In Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Rio, rolls on. And uh, tell you what, Joe, it's been the Jason Mercier show. I'm so not, not, not quite, but almost. Very close, very close. Two bracelets, <laughs> a couple of fi- a couple of more extra final tables. Is he in one right now? He's, he, he's he's fairly deep in the tournament. Uh, 135 players left, Boy. and uh, with a good chip count. Let me tell you that bet he made with Vanessa and all the attention it gathered last week when you know when he had had one bracelet. I think seems to have him super focused on picking up that 1.8 million from Vanessa Solves. Our friends at uh, PokerFuse sometimes they they write these stories where they come up with uh, uh, some fake headlines. You know, some of these uh, funny newspapers sometimes uh, have these funny stories, and one of the headlines that they had for a joke was uh, uh, "Man who buys out bet from Vanessa Selbs." Uh, wants to renege, saying he was drunk, <laughs> <laughs> making fun of her of her excuse for taking the bet. Now, by the way, uh, if you haven't heard about the bet, everybody, uh, Jason uh, bet Vanessa Selbst, and she made the bet with two players, uh, Dmitry Arbanovich, I guess his name. He's a Polish player, and she made this bet with both players. I think she actually gave Arbanovich better odds, uh, two hundred to one, but bet ten thousand with both gentlemen that they would not win three bracelets. I think the only problem now for Jason is if he wins four, does that mean he loses the bet? <laughs> <laughs> no, he said he could not win two, uh, three bracelets. Now, this has only been done, I think, five times before. The last right. one was Jeffrey Lissandro. So she obviously had the, the percentages in her favor. Yeah, I mean, you know, this looks like a, a pretty much a no-brainer. But Jason, for some reason, really wanted this bet, and I don't know if he... He really felt that he was going to do it. Uh, I find that a little hard to believe, uh, but uh, certainly to drive him uh, this summer, that he really felt it was important for summer for him. So last week when we were on the show, by the way, this bet was made back in January, I found out today. I didn't realize that. It was at uh, some uh, Team Poker Stars Pro dinner, and uh, they made this bet. And she regretted it uh, the next day when she woke up, said she was drunk when she made the bet, uh, woke up the next day and, and immediately wanted out of it and said, uh, I'll give you $1,000, uh, she tells Jason, if you just let me out of the bet. He refuses. So not a whole lot was said about it till they got to the series. And, uh, of course, the Urbanovich bet was uh, widely publicized. That, that got out. Uh, in fact, a bunch of people were there when she made that bet. So that was public knowledge. Uh, now the, bet, the uh, idea of the bet with Jason comes out. And not a whole lot said until Jason wins his first bracelet, which was uh, a couple of weeks ago in, uh, in Deuce uh, 7 lo- draw, low ball. Uh, single draw, and uh, so he wins that uh, for two hundred seventy-three thousand. But more importantly, he's on the board with the first bracelet. So now she tells him that she wants to buy out, and she'll give him a hundred thousand dollars to buy out of the bet. You know, and I think I—I'm not going to say most people, but I would imagine a lot of top pros jumped would that. have jumped at that. <laughs> that pays for your knowing summer. how difficult it is to win a bracelet and uh, just give you a lot of, you know, tournament money buy-ins for yeah, you exactly. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, he refuses that. Tells her, I think, uh, that he would let her buy out for five hundred thousand. So <laughs> the bet was for ten thousand dollars. She gave him the odds were one hundred and eighty to one. So if he wins the bet, that's one point eight million dollars. So that's the recap of the bet. So he refuses uh, both offers from her, and it's out on Twitter, and everybody's talking about it, and people are taking sides and that sort of thing. So when we were on the show last week on Wednesday night, he was down to the final table of the uh, seven-card Raz $10,000 buy-in tournament and actually got all the way down to the final two, I think, when we left here, right. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe final four, but uh, anyway, he ends up finishing second, uh, gets defeated in that one in the last second, and uh, finishes second. So you figure, wow, it's going to be pretty tough now, so... Meanwhile, his parents, who I, I've met over at the Hard Rock, great people, uh, Rick and Dottie, and uh, 
they were out there, went out to Vegas to do some uh, TV uh, interviews and stuff to uh, use on the show and that sort of thing and a few other things with poker stars and that sort of thing. So he was out, his father was out there, and uh, Jason comes back and wins the horse championship, uh, which was uh, on the 15th, started on the 15th, I guess it was about a week ago. Uh, so 422000 So that's his second bracelet now. He wins, uh, and his father, uh, since he was out there, um, you know, any player who wins a bracelet can name the person who will present the bracelet to him. So, of course, named his father, and they're very close. And there's been a couple stories. Uh, Nick Sordle wrote one locally here in South Florida. There's been a couple of national stories about their relationship and, you know, how close they are and, and how the parents in the in the beginning really didn't uh, want him to play oh. poker. And uh, he was going to college, not going to class, just playing poker as many as 5,500 hands a day online. Yeah. I That's mean, incredible. It was, huh? it, because he was, uh, you know doing 16 tables yeah, at the time. Exactly. We were discussing this, and that seems to be the general theme of a couple of the young you know, rising poker stars, that their parents were not very happy. And, and I can understand that being a parent, you know, being in the business, how difficult it is to be this successful and to almost throw away a college career or yeah. a college degree. Well, he dropped out, and uh, he came back to live at home, and, and basically his father told him, he said, if you're going to continue to play poker, you're going to have to get your own place. And he did, and he went on, and uh, he, his big goal at that time, when he was on the show, I remember the first year we started doing the show, about six years ago, he told us that his whole goal was to achieve supernova elite on Poker, poker Stars. Stars, and yeah. uh, he did. And uh, of course, then of course we all know what happened. He went to San Remo, won that tournament over in the European Poker Tour, and and obviously has been on all kinds of television shows and uh, but you know number one in the world uh, off and on for the last uh, right. four or five years. And and like I said, Dave, you know it was written about. We spoke about it on our show that first time after he won the San Remo. You know, besides him, you know we we both think he's a tremendous kid, but you know he went from having the greatest moment in his life you know, winning that San Remo to probably the worst moment of his life a couple hours later while celebrating that at a nightclub in Italy uh, where he got stabbed by, I believe it was a broken bottle. And, yeah, yeah, and stabbed came, right in the back And the came hospital. very close to dying. The doctor told him he was 10 or 15 minutes away from bleeding out, you know, and uh, Jason has always seemed like a very well-grounded young man in poker. You don't you don't hear the stories about him that you hear about other people. That obviously is a credit to his dad and mom and his whole family and his friends, as he mentioned, how they keep him grounded by joking and busting his chops. And I think this incident also has kept him in a focus level. So I'm just so happy to see that he's doing yeah, he's so terrific. well, this WSOP. He's terrific and uh, probably has uh, not had all the tremendous amount. I mean, he's won bracelets. He's won a couple of bracelets, I guess, three and before this year. He won one last year that two. I know of. He won one last year, and he had won one previous to that. So he has four now. Uh, and... Uh, um, you know, but I, I I don't think his success in the World Series of Poker has been uh, you know a shining star like uh, he wins a lot of tournaments all over the world and uh, finishes deep and but I you know maybe I'm asking a little too much out of the guy but it seems like you know he, he went several years where he was pretty upset because he just had a few small caches and really didn't uh, well, even make a final table yeah, for several years. But I think it's more because Jason does it so quietly. Yeah. You know, Jason does it with, with a lot of class, just being quiet. Absolutely. You know, all of a sudden you turn around, you look, and you go, wow, he won another tournament. He won another <laughs> tournament. With the two bracelets that he's got this year, that's either four or five bracelets that he has already earned. Which he has four. He has four with the two that he won this year? Yes. Okay, so four bracelets puts you in an elite company in the World Series of Poker, too. You know, the, uh, considering he hasn't been doing this for 20-plus years like other people, 20, 30 years like other people. Nice kid. Uh, we follow uh, both him and his girlfriend, Natasha uh, uh, Barber, who uh, is from Tampa, and they've been going out now, I guess, about a year or so. And uh, so I follow them on Twitter, so I hear a lot of the stuff uh, firsthand uh, right away. But he, of course, uh, you know, is from South Florida here. And, and another guy who's won four bracelets now from South Florida is uh, Rob Mizraki. And uh, a story just came out on Card Player magazine about him. Uh, they interviewed him and, in, uh, you know, asking about a rivalry between him and the grinder, his brother. And, uh, you know, of course, the other two brothers also play poker and his mom plays poker. And, 
he said, uh, you know, I don't, we don't really look at it that way. We look at it as family bracelets. <laughs> That's a great remark. That's yeah, a great comment. I thought I it like was that. great, too. Anyway, uh, so Jason has two, and then uh, the story goes on. Uh, he actually was at the final table again since then, event 32, uh, which ended the other night. Uh, the Omaha High-Low Split Eight or Better Championship, 10,000 buy-in. And he made the final table, finished eighth in that one, he made 39,000 in that one. So a mere pittance compared to his other three scores so far this yeah. year, but his fourth final table, which is, uh, you know, a true accomplishment. Well, let me tell you, that just tells everybody how dialed in he is, how, you know, you know, in the zone, so to speak, that he's in. Whether it's the bet, you know, whatever has motivated him, and I wouldn't bet against that that Vanessa Sulp's bet, but he, you know, to get to four final tables already, that's yeah, that's it. Pretty, it and two pretty. bracelets and a second, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, for absolutely. anybody. Uh, now he's uh, also playing in another tournament. Of course, he jumps from one to the next. The minute second he gets eliminated, if he has a chance, he'll jump right into the next one. Uh, and, of course, now he obviously has the uh, incentive to do so. So uh, he is now playing in the, uh, I guess it's the uh, mixed Omaha 7-card stud 8, uh, I guess would be the one he's in now. That's event 36. And let's see if we can give you an update on that one. Uh, they were down to 135 players last I saw. Yeah, they're down to 125 now. 384 players in this one. Jason had a pretty good stack last I saw. 44,500 is his chip count right now. The leader's 114K. So, you know, he's a ways back. But, of course, uh, you know, you can look all the way down to uh, people that have less than uh, 10,000 chips. So he's... uh, He's in pretty good shape there, I would say, yeah. to uh, With 44,000, you can make a damage to somebody's stack and right away be right up in the top 10 of chips. So anyway, uh, by the way, Urbanovich is in this tournament as well as 76,000 chips, so kind of uh, wild how that works out if they get down to the final <laughs> table. Tom Schneider also still alive in that one. Uh, Matt Savage playing in that one and uh, doing pretty well. 61K. Uh, Rob Mizraki is uh, 52,000. Uh, so a lot of uh, big names in this one. Norman Chad is also playing this event, has forty forty one five. So he's right there. Maria Ho, Alan Kessler, Scotty Wynn. Uh, nice nice field for this one. It's a $3,000 buy-in, or $2,500 buy-in. Mixed Omaha, seven-card stud, high, low, eight or better. Nice. So anyway, a uh, lot of exciting stuff going on out there. We're keeping a close eye on it. And uh, we'll give you some of the results from earlier events. Uh, I think we were up through event 18 last week. We'll run down a few more for you, uh, let you know who some of the winners are. Uh, but uh, we have another player that has won two uh, bracelets so far this year. His name is Ian Johns. He's from Great Britain. And he's also uh, won two events. He won event number 28, uh, which is uh, the uh, Limit Hold'em. He plays a lot of limit uh, cards, he said. It's kind of funny. We'll go about that story when we get to his uh, write-up. But he said uh, he likes playing limit because he said he's just not that good at no limit hold'em. <laughs> and let me tell you, sometimes I think limit is harder. You know, I used to love playing nothing but limit. And once you learn the game of, uh, of no limit, you, I think you bleed more chips off in limit than you do in no limit. <laughs> It's a completely different uh, mindset. It is a completely different game, and a lot of people just stay in longer because they can't lose as many chips on any particular hand, so you get a lot of people that uh That will change you, but that also changes the dynamics. Usually you're trying to trap in no limit, and while in limit, you're getting the most chips you can because you've got to be out there betting your hand because it, it, you know you, it, the, the risk-reward isn't there for you to check. One other thing I want to mention before our first break, uh, there's a tournament down to three players. And by the way, one of them left is Benny Glazer, who won an earlier event. So he has a chance to become, become the, third, the player? third player to win, too. So uh, wow. I don't know how many prop bets are out, are out on that, but uh, uh, pretty interesting. But the interesting thing for us here on the show is Matt Glantz still alive in that one, the last final three. Uh, Matt's been on the show with us many times. And let's get a chip count on that one here. Doug Longaree is the chip leader. Glance second and uh, Benny Glazer in third. So let's get the number on that right now. They're down to three players. Uh, they started at uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time, 2 o'clock cent- uh, West Coast. And Glazer is taking the lead again. Uh, Glazer has 5.5 million chips. So he's, uh, he's also from uh, great the United Kingdom, from Southampton. 
and uh, Doug Long Lorgery. I said Longery. It's Lorgery. He's from uh, Buffalo Grove, Illinois. One point seven two five million. And Matt Glantz is down to third in chips, nine hundred thousand. So. And the other has five million chips. Did you say five and a half million? Yeah. Oh, he's got a commanding lead yeah, there. Yeah, but boy. he was third not long ago when I was oh. looking. He went from like one point five million to five point five. Yeah, 5 well, the, he crippled the, somebody. It sounds like it was Matt Glantz that he probably yeah, crippled, yeah, crippled there. Absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on that one. That probably will get done uh, possibly uh, while we're still doing the show. But uh, that works out to Glance having just four big blinds. Yeah, he'll be all in very soon. <laughs> yeah, that will that one will be done shortly. Uh, Glazer twenty three big blinds and Lorgery seven big blinds. So he just took three hands in a row, uh, two of them from Glance. So uh, Glance went from uh, uh, I guess about uh, twenty five hundred chips to. Two or 2.5 million chips to 2.1 and 1.3 and now 700. So uh, turned around pretty quickly and, and still can, obviously. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that gets you a little bit up to date on what's happening out there right now. We'll get to some of the results from over the last few days if you like to listen to the show to check on what's happened. Uh, the Seniors is in the books. The Super Seniors is also in the books. We have winners for both of those. And uh, we'll talk about a couple of strategy uh, items that I uh, pulled up for Joe to evaluate. And we'll have some fun tonight. Uh, Stick around. But first, let us tell you about Gulfstream Park, located over in Hallandale Beach, which is the southern part of Broward County. If you're familiar with the South Florida area, you got uh, Dade County down at the tip of the peninsula. Uh, then you got uh, Broward County and then Palm Beach County. So really from anywhere in the south part of the state, you can get there within an hour, hour and a half at the most. And it's a great place to go, but of course it takes a half hour here in South Florida to get anywhere, so uh, you know you're not really <laughs> putting yourself out too much. But it's located in the southern part of Broward County, just north of the Dade County line. It is east of I-95 between 95 and the beaches, and very easy to get to, right on uh, South Federal Highway, which is US-1, and the corner of Hallandale Beach Boulevard. So a uh, great place to go. Of course, the horse racing is uh, really what they're known for, and uh, the winter season just ended not long ago. And we had some great stakes races, including the Florida Derby and the Don Handicap and some of the big, the Fountain of Youth and a lot of great stuff. But uh, racing has uh, tapered off a little bit. They're still racing Wednesday through Sunday. Racing is, starts at 1 o'clock during the week, and on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday starts at 12.30. But, uh, you know, if you don't want to go um, to watch the races, you might check it out a little bit. But uh, one of the major draws there is the poker room, which is a very solid poker room. With a lot of great uh, action, uh, spread just about every game, different uh, choices, and you can uh, get all the information by calling the brush desk at 954-457-6336, 954-457-6336, tournaments every night at 7 p.m., and uh, that might be the way to go if you're uh, not a cash game player and you want to try that out. Nice people, good dealers, solid staff, and, uh, of course, great management with Scott Poole and Michael May. We've been around with them for a while. They've been sponsoring the show almost since the beginning, off and on. And uh, good people over there. I like uh, associating with them and like playing at the room. That's correct. Great So check it out. The address, if you need to put it in your GPS, is 901 South Federal Highway. It's in Hallandale Beach, Florida. It's Gulfstream Park. Welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Live. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. 
However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> you don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe. Another edition of Poker Action Line as we uh, keep an eye on the World Series of Poker. Uh, I am heading out there in about three weeks. Uh, Sunday, uh, July 10th, we're going to be uh, day, day 1B of the uh, main event. So uh, i got a couple ideas about uh, to talk about on the main event. Certainly a lot of people, whether they uh, go out there two, three times, or you make one big trip, or maybe uh, a lot of people just uh, concentrate their whole bankroll on uh, the main event, you know, and some of the things. Uh, Brian Devonshire wrote an article that I brought in that uh, is uh, pretty interesting about, uh, you know, how to kind of prepare for it. And we've talked about it. Uh, we yeah, talked we, about attacking had, the whole. We've had multiple guests talking yeah, about we how had they Mo would Mo prepare Nuara for it. a few weeks ago. and uh, Bernard Lee in the past. Yeah, Bernard Lee uh, has had some really great advice uh, concerning uh, how you prepare yourself. And it's all a lot of it's common sense. It's really nothing earth-shaking, but... Uh, I don't think people realize, you know, what it's like to actually finally get out there and do well and have to play, you know, six, seven days in a row and with yeah. the pressure mounting. Because if you survive be day, once you survive day one and, and, you know, and you come back for day two, it's a, you know, if you keep surviving every day, it becomes, you know, a 12-hour grind every single day. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe last year the people who made it to the final table put in over 100 hours. Uh, from the start of it to to the finish, with everything they had to do, close to it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, I do want to talk about some of the events uh, going on now. Uh, also, uh, there was some news. Let me get to this first, I guess, and that is uh, what's happening in some of these uh, legal situations for online poker that we we weren't expecting a whole lot, and we didn't get that much, to be honest. But uh, uh, New York, uh, we talked about last week. Uh, by a massive margin, passed it in their state senate, uh, the online poker bill, and it had to go to the uh, uh, the assembly, which is like their House of Representatives kind of thing. And uh, they were stalling on whether they were going to even do it. Well, they didn't even give it a cursory uh, floor reading, so uh, you know it's over in New York basically for another year. Uh, California is uh, kind of uh, going down the tubes as far as this year. Uh, can't get to any agreement between the Indian tribes and and the paramutuals, and although they made some progress this year, but uh, uh, bottom line is uh, we do have some problems in that regard, and uh, certainly, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, we'll have to uh, put things off for a little while. Uh, Pennsylvania still alive, uh, taking on uh, the problem with that one is, by the way, is uh, they're trying to incorporate the uh, video lottery terminals uh, at taverns and convenience stores. Into the bill, into which the is bill. really going to put uh, put that down. But uh, they actually uh, should have a revote in the next uh, few days. There was a glitch as far as who sponsored the bill and put things off. But uh, um, you know, it's 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 a situation that's just uh, not making any 
total progress. Uh, we're getting there in bits and pieces. In fact, uh, Poker Stars put out a thing on their blog that this was the time that everybody needs to contact their uh, representatives. I think they're still going to be a big part of wherever it comes back, and we'll see what happens. So, funny thing about New York is, uh, although the uh, the poker bill really was kind of given short shrift. They did pass the, the Daily Fantasy Sports League uh, bill. Oh, they did. So, so uh, they that has passed both uh, how, both uh, compartments of the uh, legislature, and the bill is going to the desk of Andrew Cuomo, the governor, and he will have ten days to sign it or not. But they passed it by uh, more than a two-thirds vote in both both uh, houses, and so they're pretty much veto. Uh, Proof, you know, if, if he vetoes it, they'll have enough uh, votes to override. If he doesn't sign it, it automatically becomes, becomes law, or he can just go ahead and, and do what uh, the people up there want, which is sign the bill and get it to become law. They want us to play fantasy sports. So, uh, very interesting that uh, nomenclature there as far as uh, the relationship between fantasy sports and poker. You, you figure, uh, you know, poker's been going at it for. Ten years, whatever, uh, and can't get anything done. Now this Johnny come lately, uh, which is another form of gambling. You know, I mean, these people try to say it's not really gambling, but it is. And uh, you know, it, it it seems to be. You know, obviously more people probably watch sports than play poker, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's had a much easier road. Yeah, and that's. I think it's because of the stigma that poker has had on it all throughout the years of being a, a backroom game and everything else. That's for the people who don't play poker, who don't know what anything about poker is now. And the only other thing behind that is, you know, I think poker stars and full tilt and absolute poker kind of, you know, thumbed their nose at the government and, every, and, and regulations that were here in the country when they were running it. They had that dealing with that one guy who was, you know, bypassing law, U.S. laws. And, you know, the online poker uh, community, the, 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 the places that had these things, kind of just laughed at, 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 you know, at our government. And I think that's why they're making it a lot harder for, for it to come back. Well, a lot of people, uh, you know, Jason Somerville, one of the leaders, and and just just saying, you know, we need we need uh, regulation to protect the poker online consumers, and uh, you know, we see all these places that take your money, uh, you win, and then you go to cash out, and uh, pretty soon uh, they're folding up shop, and there's no protection. So there needs to be escrow accounts and that sort of thing, and and protection for all the players that that you know you're going to have a fair game, you're not going to be cheated. And when it's time to collect your money, that you're actually going to get it. Yeah, I mean that's that's been the issue number one <laughs> since the beginning. And obviously, you know, with everything that happened with Full Tilt, Poker Stars, and these other sites, um, you know, that makes perfect sense, Dave. It doesn't, you know. That unfortunately, you know, our politicians don't work with common sense sometimes. You know, it doesn't make any sense for them not to do this to get the tax dollars from both ends, from the winners and from the sites that are making all this kind of money, and at the same time protecting the interests of, of U.S. players. It, it, it really, in an intelligent mind, it doesn't make any sense not to have this. Right. Uh, so it's been, uh, you know, you realize it's been nearly three years since uh, the last uh, online legislation uh, passed in uh, Delaware, New Jersey, and Nevada. Uh, still, the fight goes on in New York and California, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Florida is kind of dragging their feet way behind that, but uh, you know, eventually one of these will pop through, I think, and uh, you know that just might open the floodgates. Let's hope Gotta so. Hope. I mean, we've we've been talking about this for so many years now, Dave, that it, and now that we thought California had a good shot at it, and you know, when you got so many people who want to put their hands in that pot, I don't know how easy it's going to be to get passed in these big states. New York, at least we know the Senate passed it overwhelmingly. Right. Hopefully next year uh, the, the representatives will do the same and then let Governor Cuomo decide whether he wants to pass it or not. That, yeah. that, let me tell you, that's, I think that's all we need is one big state to pass it and that everybody else can look at it and say, hey, look, they did it, and then eventually, hopefully, the rest will start falling like dominoes. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Let's get to a few of the results. Uh, I wanted to get to kind of a rundown of events 19 through 30. 
Uh, event 19 was a $1,000 pot limit Omaha, won by another South Florida player, Sam Sovereil from uh, West Palm Beach. He was uh, deep in the event when we were on the show last week, and he takes home 185000 for first place. Kirby Lowry was second. Garrett Garvin was third. Event 20 is the Raz Championship, uh, $10,000 buy-in, and that's the one uh, that uh, Jason uh, picked up the win uh, for that one. And Oh, I'm sorry, that's the one he finished second. Second, yeah. Uh, the winner of uh, beat him in head-to-head play was Ray uh, Decargani. Who uh, takes home the first prize? Two hundred seventy-three thousand. Jason took home one hundred sixty-eight for second. Brian Hastings was fourth, eighty-two thousand. John Raisner finished in sixth for forty-four k. Event twenty-one was a six-handed no limit, three thousand dollar buy-in, and the winner was Calvin Lee. Uh, Mark Herm, uh, who has uh, does a podcast and has been on the program with us before, uh, the Chip Herm Show is the name of it. Uh, finished in third place for two hundred twenty-four k. And Will Givens, who you might remember defeated uh, Angela Prada Moed uh, when she finished second in that tournament of, uh, two years ago, I guess it was. Right. And, uh, just lost on the bracelet. Well, Will Givens was the player that beat her. So uh, so he's known uh, for that. Uh, the Event 22 was uh, a $1,500 no-limit hold'em. Danny Lee was the winner in that one. Uh, he's a businessman, not a regular pro, but uh, he wins that one. And uh, that was, he defeated uh, Scott Farnsworth and Tyler Bonkowski down the stretch in that one uh, to win 188000 Event 23 was a $2,000 uh, no-limit hold'em buy-in. Uh, Cesar Garcia was the victor there from Spain. Uh, Bulgaria's uh, Vilian Petlishkov finished in second place. Yuri Boyko was third, 447000 for Cesar uh, Garcia, the win there. Uh, Craig McCorkle was sixth. Craig Varnell was seventh. Then back to event number 24 with the $10,000 horse. Uh, Jason picks up the win there. Jason Mercier, the winner. Very tough field in this one. Uh, some of the other players that went very deep included Nick Schulman, uh, James Obst, John Monette, Britt Kenny, and Yuval Bronstein. Uh, Obst finishes second. Nick Schulman was third in that one. Bryn Kenny took eighth at the final table. Event 25 was a $2,500 no-limit hold'em event won by Mike Gagliano. He wins 448000 Daniel Cook finished second there. Uh, and uh, it was a tough battle down the stretch for those two guys. Uh, Gagliano wins 448000 Cook wins 277000 so that was event number 25. Event number 26 was, uh, uh, by the way, a couple of uh, South Florida guys finished very deep in that one. Mike Locke, who uh, was a dealer at the Isle Casino. Uh, I think he's listed as being from Punta Gorda, which is on the West Coast. But he finished seventh. And Daryl Fish also made the final table, finishing in eighth place. Uh, 40, isn't he on your fantasy? I believe so. Okay. Anyway, that was event 25. We moved to event 26. Benny Glazer was the winner in that one. We mentioned him. Uh, he is still alive in that tournament. Another South Florida player, uh, Zach Milchman, finished in sixth. Brandon Shaq Harris was fifth. Philip Wee was uh, fourth in that one. And Max Pescatore also made the final table, finished in eighth. That was Omaha high, low, eight or better. And 244000 for Benny Glazer winning that one. Uh, then Ian Johns, uh, or actually the next uh, was the seniors event. And the seniors event was one uh, Johnny Craig was the winner. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny Craig uh, from uh, Galena Park, Texas, was the winner of the seniors event there. Uh, he defeated... Uh, uh, Roger Sipple was third. He's one of the other name players at the final table. Also, the name Somerville obviously uh, comes to bat, but uh, I don't think he's related to Jay- Jason. But uh, he finished in fourth. Second place went to Jamshid Lofty from Timonium, Maryland, and Paul Rungi finished in sixth. I wonder if that's the old baseball umpire. I don't think I don't think so. But uh, but uh, some of the other people that went deep in that one, uh, Ken Aldridge, uh, who one year lost in the final table to uh, Will Faila on the World Poker Tour. Barbara Enright also uh, cashed in this one, and Billy Baxter, so some old-timer names. Also, Robert Farconi, 
who oh, wow. uh, we haven't heard that name for a Main while. Main event winner from a while back. 2002, he was 172nd. But they had a lot of players in this one, by the way. Uh, 4,499 seniors played in this one. Wow. Uh, biggest turn, Biggest senior tournament of all time. Uh, 2014, there was 44.25 was the previous high mark, $1,000 buy-in. It's uh, been noted as being one of the fastest-growing events on the schedule for several years in a row. So uh, Johnny Craig, the winner in that one on Event 27. Then Event 28, Ian Johns was the winner. That was uh, the $10,000 limit hold'em. And this was kind of interesting because I read his uh, interview. He talks about it. in, in the interview afterward, he said, it's a super fun game because you're constantly making decisions. And, and as you mentioned, Joe, you got to get that action in there. But it's boom, 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 very fast. <laughs> Hands take like 90 seconds instead of four minutes, like a no limit. And uh, you just have so many opportunities to make incremental decisions. He says he's perfected his game in the last 12 years of his life. And uh, he also said, as I mentioned earlier, he said, I used to play a lot of No Limit Hold'em, but these guys passed me by eons ago. I get in the game. I don't know what I'm doing. They're so advanced now. I feel lost in hand, so I chose not to play, which uh, seems like a reasonable thing to do. When I'm not playing these limit tournaments, I'm playing in cash games, which also are limits. So uh, he was the winner in that one uh, and cash for 290k in that in that one. Uh, some of the other big names that uh, went to the final table, Brian Rast, uh, David Chu, Bill Chen, Brock Parker. So uh, big names in that one. And finally, event number 29, uh, Alexander Ziskin wins the $1,500 No Limit Hold'em event. He's a 30-year-old poker pro, and he gets the win there, uh, defeating Jens Grime. Cam Lowe uh, finished in third in that one. Uh, so uh, 401000 for Ziskin in the win. Oh, one more. Uh, is event 30, and that is the six-max pot limit Omaha, $3,000 buy-in. It was won by uh, Vyacheslav Ortinsky, 36-year-old from Russia, and he gets the win there, finishing second, Rafael Lebron. And Randy Ohel, uh, originally from South Florida, finished in third in that one. So that takes you up through event 30. We'll keep an eye on what's happening uh, in some of the events on there, including uh, Mac Lance's attempt to cash in on a bracelet out there. And, of course, we're uh, pulling for him, but uh, Benny Glazer looks like he's honing in on his second of the series. So uh, that one's kind of interesting with all the talk about Jason Joe uh, uh, winning three bracelets, having two in the bag right now. That Ian Johns wins two. This guy could win two. It's uh, that's yeah, something he's, that's not he's going to be the odds-on favorite to win two with the chip count that he has now with just three players yeah, left. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's that's you know usually you'll see two people that are, that are multiple bracelet winners, but why, seeing three people would be multiple bracelet winners. It's that's <laughs> hey, I can't recall that. We're, we're, we're only halfway years. through. Exactly. I uh, you know it's hard to, hard to imagine. You know, it's it really is hard to imagine. Three people would be in multiple bracelet winners. Although this year, how many events are they running this year? 69. 69 events. So, yeah. you know, you you definitely have more opportunities to see that. Yeah, but it's I'm still hard yeah. as heck to win a, a bracelet. For sure. Uh, so anyway, that gets you kind of up to date. Uh, I know that uh, that can be a little tedious. Uh, but, uh, you know, I certainly want to have some kind of record on tape on the show of, of who's winning what. And... Uh, you know, obviously, down the line, we'll have some of these people on the show. Hopefully, uh, this is your first attempt to uh, really make a name for yourself sometimes. And then, uh, you know, five years later, when you got five or six bracelets, you go back, oh, yeah, I remember I won that first one in uh, 2016. That's it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, so uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on what's happening out there. And, of course, uh, looking forward to heading out there for the main event this year and checking out that. Uh, haven't been there during the main event. and. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, an unbelievable field and a lot of excitement. That I, I think there's really I'm, nothing I'm, like it. I'm starting to get jealous already, and I know it's still over two weeks away before you leave, but I'm starting to get jealous already. <laughs> when we uh, when we come back from break, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some preparations you might make if you're thinking about heading out there for the main event. Maybe you're already out there, and uh, you know things can get a little bit uh, tough out there when you're not doing well. Uh, I think of all the people that we know that I know are out there that I haven't even really seen their names. So for every Jason Mercier that seems to be at every other final table, you got people who are not even cashing that uh, 
you know, who knows? Maybe they're doing well at the cash tables at night. Maybe they're satelliting into future events. But uh, uh, it's tough. It's a it's a it's a needle in a haystack trying it, to find it, a, a victory. It really is, and that just goes to show you how impressive it is when people win double bracelets. Yeah, you know, it's that's very just getting to final tables is impressive, let yeah. alone winning the bracelet. You know, it, you know, traversing through that large fields that they have just. You know, the great players, it's just, it's so difficult. And like you said, so many great players that have, we haven't even mentioned in the last few weeks since, since the WSL. Well, I'll tell you two right off the top of my head. Michael Mowed, uh, who we know. Oh, by the way, uh, I'll get to this in a second. But, uh, Michael Mowed and Chris Bolick are two guys that I know, uh, you know, well, I can't say that I know for sure that Michael's out there. I know that uh, that, that uh he may not have as much time for poker as he did at one time, of course, having a baby. And then I think they moved their business and certainly not uh, will need to catch up with him in the future. But, you know, I mean, people go out there and, you know, you think of the, the costs and everything that you that you spend uh, making a trip out there for seven weeks and your living conditions and, and, and having to purchase food at the snack bars and the restaurants well, every day. You've, I mean, it's you've, incredible. You've been through that, how hard it is and how crowded it gets over there. You know, for the casual poker player, it seems like a fun life. Oh, I get to play poker. For people who make this a, a either a full-time business for them, a full-time job, or even a part-time job, it's a very difficult grind. Yeah. You know, I tell you what, I spent five days and four nights last year, and that was plenty for me. <laughs> and that was you and I wasn't even playing. playing. Yeah. You weren't playing. So think about that pressure of constantly playing. If you're not getting in, if you, even if you get into the caches, they're min caches. So it doesn't seem like you're getting a whole lot for the effort and the time that you've put in there, the mental anguish you've put in there to play poker. Because, you know, this game, besides being an emotional toll on you, it's a physical toll on you yeah. also. So there's so many different things that have to go right for you to win a tournament or to go deep in a tournament and, and make a significant cash that, you know, it gets tiresome. It gets yeah. tiresome. And people sure. who have families, it's that much harder, you know, because you've got to worry about your family. This this game now with the, the the how long it takes to play these tournaments and the amount of the field, the large fields that we have, is probably more is obviously, in my opinion, better suited for single people. Yeah. Well, our other friend that uh, you know uh, we haven't heard much about, and that's not because of anything he's done or hasn't done, uh, is uh, is Mark Perlman. Yeah, yeah, and Mark now, loves playing. He's he's cashed in the Omaha before. So. And he ca- he didn't cash this year, but I uh, was following some of the chip counts, and you know uh, they don't have every player listed. Like there might be a hundred. 50 players left, and they'll have a list of 42, you know, right. a lot of these uh, poker reporters, they don't know everybody, so they go around, they pick out the people they know, and they get their chip counts, and they publish them, and uh, so I was looking for Mark's name, and I didn't see it, I didn't see it, uh, then I, they went to a dinner break, uh, this was the other night, maybe Monday night or something, in the $10,000, uh, you know, uh, Omaha, Omaha high-low, which he is very good at, and I see that he gets knocked out as the, right before the dinner break, in the last hand before the dinner break. Oh, wow. In like 26th place, and I, or 27th place, man, and I think 26 people cashed. So he was the he bubble was boy? He was the bubble, so. Oh, my God. Or at least very close. I mean, maybe I have that wrong, but I know that it was the last hand before the dinner break. And he got it in. He had two aces in his hand, so, you know, I mean, he got it all in and before the flop and 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 really had the lead. And then all of a sudden, uh, yeah, I mean, the other player got the flush <laughs> on the river, I think, and, and knocked him out. So it's a treacherous, treacherous game, yeah, in my opinion. It really so. is. So at least he's out there and uh, you know doing well. He had the uh, whether he had the backing or uh, put it up himself, you know, to play in the ten thousand dollar tournament. Yeah, well, I have a feeling Mark's friends uh, helped along. Yeah, with I'm, sure. So. I'm sure. I'm uh, sure. Anyway, let's tell you about Gulfstream Park, which is a place where Mark used to work. He was a dealer there and a floor person. Uh, but still, a lot of great people working over there. The tournament uh, schedule it continues to be uh, a fun time. 7 o'clock each night, six nights of Texas Hold'em, one night of PLO, and uh, different buy-ins, different starting unit stacks, and different guarantees for that one. They do have a PLO tournament on Wednesdays, and uh, they have a special uh, uh, high hand, $350 uh, on Wednesday nights, the high hand through the rebuy period. 
uh, you can win uh, $350 for a high hand, which is a nice little add-on there for you. Uh, Saturday tournament, uh, um, they have a $20 chip-up, uh, $5,000 chip-up on that one. Uh, you can certainly rebuy in a lot of these tournaments. So it's good It's good action, good fun, and uh, certainly we invite you to head out there. It's located in the back of the first-floor casino and a 20-table room in the back there and very nice location, lots of TVs so you can stay up with all the sporting events. Uh, of course, everybody was glued to the sets during the uh, NC or the NBA playoffs. Uh, with Cleveland coming back and winning at the end, obviously people uh, either loving it or hating it. Yeah, <laughs> Certainly, well, uh, a lot of people didn't want LeBron to win. Yeah, let me tell you, Father's Day you had to be glued to the TV between the the U.S. Open, also with that stuff going on with Dustin Johnson, oh yeah, the penalty shot and everything, and then uh, followed by that Cleveland game. So they, everybody must have been glued all the, since the early afternoon. I think I watched about twenty hours of golf this weekend. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was definitely there watching for sure. But uh, Gulfstream Park, a great place to go. It's located in Hallandale Beach, west of the beaches and east of I-95. Very easy to get to. Hallandale Beach Boulevard is the exit you need to take and head uh, east toward the ocean. And right there you'll see uh, Pegasus on the horizon, the 110-foot statue in the parking lot that uh, signifies that you've made it to uh, racing Nirvana, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but besides uh, the poker, there's a great uh, village of Gulfstream Park with a dining and all the clubs, a bowling alley, and lots of great stuff. Uh, working on a hotel over there, so continues to grow and get better and better. And uh, we'll continue to put it on our list of great social places here in South Florida. Gulfstream Park, located at 901 South Federal Highway. For information about the games in the poker room, call the desk 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park, welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Final segment of the program, Big Dave and Joe here on the... Wednesday night here in South Florida, and uh, whenever you hear the show, of course, you can pick it up at many locations, including uh, iTunes, just uh, basically search for Poker Action Line, 
You can download it for free anytime, and you can subscribe to the uh, feed, which means every time you open iTunes, you can uh, automatically get a free download started right away by the iTunes uh, app. And uh, also, we got a couple other places where you can catch us on a regular basis. Uh, Hold'em Radio Network has uh, been very kind to us and uh, doing a great job of promoting our show. Usually Friday nights at 8 o'clock is usually the first airing, and you can check it out there. Also, a couple of replays uh, throughout the week. And uh, a lot of good programs, including our friends at Annie Up Magazine, have their podcast on there, a lot of times right after ours. So uh, good friends. I write for the magazine over there and uh, very close with uh, uh, Scott Long and Chris Casenza. And they do a great job. They've been actually at this thing for longer than us, I think about uh, two years longer than us. So uh, certainly a good show to listen to with a lot of great guests and a lot of insight into the game of poker. Uh, Also, you can pick us up on the Poker Fuse podcast page uh, on a regular basis. And uh, Stitcher Radio carries the podcast. It's a podcast app that you can get on your phone or your tablet or your home computer and uh, pick up a lot of great podcasts out there. Uh, certainly enjoying doing the show for uh, in our sixth year here. Yeah, that's actually amazing. Our seventh year, uh, six years total. Yeah, we've we've in we've March. already completed six completed years. Completed six years back in March, and continue to do the show and uh, enjoy doing it on a regular basis every week. We have got a great uh, uh, production staff here, uh, led by Gio, and uh, always doing a great job. And of course, Gio's our, the our man Joe Costello uh, <laughs> offers his humble abode and uh, great studio in house for the to do the program on a regular basis here in Pembroke Pines. So um, listen to the program. Uh, where else can they get to go? Well, they can go to our website at PokerActionLine.com. There's an archive there of all the shows, including uh, great interviews with Matt Glantz and um, Jason Mercier and some of the people we've talked about on the show tonight, and we'll have plenty more in the future as we uh, move ahead. Okay. Matt Glantz is out in third place, wins 175000 uh, let's see the hand he got knocked out on. It was uh, it was Omaha, uh, eight or better. Glance uh, was holding uh, queen, six, five, deuce. Uh, pretty much rainbow. Two clubs actually on there. And uh, Glazer had ten, six, four, deuce. The flop was jack, seven, five, rainbow. The turn was a three. Glance moved all in. And the river was a queen, so... Uh, the only card that Glance needed to chop the pot was a four, and he did not get it. So uh, uh, Glazer had turned to straight, and his low was better, so he knocks Glance out in third place and now has 6.8 million chips. Uh, second place is uh, Doug Lorgery. He has about t- 1.7. Yeah, I see that Glance that you mentioned. Glance picked up 175,000 yeah. for third place. Yeah, there, very so. nice tournament. and. Uh, uh, he has left, from what I've heard, he has left the uh, Parks Casino and doing a few other things, but uh, certainly had a good run there promoting that uh, great uh, venue in outside Philadelphia. Here, here's, a, here's a name that I just happened to look on it over here. He finished in 10th in that same tournament uh, that we haven't heard in his name in a while, Eli Alerza. Eli Alerza, right, yeah. right, exactly. So I haven't heard his name in quite a while, and... And one of our favorite guests here on the show came in uh, seventh, Todd Brunson. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, this 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 had a lot of a lot of big yeah. Big there names was big. In it, there huh? was a very big name event, no question. Uh, event thirty three was a big tournament. This was called the Summer Solstice, and uh, some of uh, the more experienced players uh, made some jokes about it because uh, they did not feel that this was. Uh, um, you know, attracting a lot of uh, you know skilled players, and uh, to put it nicely, uh, Chris Mormon still in this one. Uh, Lizzie Harrison, by the way, uh, Lizzie uh, uh, works in uh, poker media and has been playing a lot of events this year. She has a pretty good chip stack at uh, 525,000. Uh, chip leader in this one, I think, is David Tovar. Tovar, yes, yeah. sir. Tovar, the chip leader here. Uh, that one is down to 50 players out of 1,840. Uh, Adrian Mateos, uh, who went pretty deep here in South Florida at the uh, at the Hard Rock a couple of months ago, is in second place. And Jason Wheeler is uh, holding a pretty good chip stack. He is yeah. a teammate of Jason Mercier on the uh, the New York uh, team in the GPL. Yeah, and I see that Chris Mormon's in 15th place with 300,000 in chips. Also. Uh you know, this is 
uh, trying to see it. some of the other big names there. Uh, saw Kathy Liebert was in that one. Oh, did you? In the early part of it, in the top ten? No, she's still in there. She's not doesn't have a big stack, but uh, they're also playing the Deuce Seven uh, Triple Low Ball. Low Ball. They're down to five players in that one. Jamison Painter uh, with a million chips is the chip leader. Adam Spiegelberg is second. Uh, just five players left in that one, and that started with 358. And they're also playing the $5,000 six-handed No Limit Hold'em event. Uh, see if we can get you a chip leader in that one, event number 35. Uh, Stephen Chidwick is the chip leader. Felix Stevenson, who went to the November 9 uh, not long ago uh, from Oslo, is second. Jason Kuhn is also uh, running deep in that one. Pierre Neuville, the, uh, the fellow from Belgium, that was on the November 9 last year, is still alive in that one. And uh, let's see, Joe Hashem also, Jonathan Little, Chino Reem, so a nice field there as well. Uh, a couple of hands I wanted to go over before we leave here. Uh, one was uh, with Johnny Chan, and this one's from a few years ago, but I thought it was pretty interesting, Joe. It was in the uh, Doyle Brunson Five Diamond Classic a few years ago. And he got dealt pocket jacks, uh, and he has a chip stack of about 30000 or so. Uh, blinds 500 and 1,000 and a $100 ante. Uh, and the three players at the table, uh, Ryan Young, who is a very aggressive young pl- uh, pro, uh, Liz Liu, who is uh, a poker hall of famer for the women, um, was also at the table. So Young uh, limped in under the gun for 1,000, and Liz Liu raises to 4,000 from middle position. So the action folds around to Chan. I don't. Th- I guess there's more than three players, but those are the three that are challenging right. in his hand. Right. And he had the pocket jacks and says, uh, you know, I, I don't know. What do you think of pocket jacks? A lot of people hate that. Hand. I get, get killed with pocket jacks so much more than, than with any other big hand. Uh, you know, usually I get called by somebody with an ace-queen or king-queen, and sure enough, the, they, they uh, you know, flop the overcard on me. So... I guess that that's probably the, the the norm for most people who play yeah. pocket jacks. Yeah, it's uh, how, how what's your experience that. been with that? Uh, pretty good for the most part, but uh, you know I don't think of all the ramifications. I just kind of uh, bull forward and uh, hope it stands up. It's to hope it stands. <laughs> Is it a hand that you go all in on a lot or no? Yeah, I would say probably. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's that's the whole thing there. So. Uh, but that's not a surprise. I don't really know what I'm doing, to be honest. Uh, anyway, uh, Chance said I could have re-raised Liz with, with my ja- with my jacks, but I didn't want to do that because I was hoping that Young was going to re-raise with any kind of hand. He said he'd been playing wild, and I thought he was just kind of playing like a bully. Uh, so he only called uh, uh, Liz, and then as he hoped, Young raised, came around and raised to 14,000. Uh, so Chance thinking to himself, maybe he limped in with aces, uh, maybe he's looking to get raised so he could re-raise, or maybe he's just trying to run out players who might be uh, have a marginal hand. So uh, Liz Liu thinks for a while and then called the additional 10,000. Chan goes all in. He said that's all the information he needed uh, to move all in. Young folded, which is exactly what uh, Chan expected. Uh, and Liz Liu turned over uh, ace-king offsuit. So uh, the board blanked, and he took it out. But he, kind of his reasoning was well, the reason I brought this up. He said, uh, he said that he felt that he played the hand perfectly. Uh, he didn't want to raise because he wanted uh, the guy to move all in or make a move, some sort of move. Uh, not only did he try to make a move, but he raised enough for Liz to uh, tell me what she had, basically, you know, by uh, making that play. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know that if she she raised, uh, you know, after his first raise, and then she calls that big raise, you know she's got a big hand, but she doesn't have aces or kings or else she would have moved all in. So he knew he was probably in a coin toss there. Yeah, he said if she did have kings or queens, she probably would... uh, would have re-raised him before uh, that, and so I, I knew I had her beat. So then all he needs to do is get the other guy out, which he did. And uh, he said uh, jacks against ace-kings made him 11-10 to 10 favorite, but he was getting 2-1 to one on his money, so uh, he felt he had to go with it. So by calling the initial raise, he found out what everybody stood. And, yep. uh, it's uh, pretty much well, a brilliant poker drawing. That's, that's, that's why he's always been one of the best poker players. Uh, the second is uh, an article from uh, Brian Devonshire talking about uh, preparation 
for the World Series. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, just don't realize the grind of what a marathon uh, the main event is. Uh, at that time, uh, every level was two hours. I think it's uh, maybe a little shorter now. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but then, you know, 20-minute breaks and, and a 90-minute diddle break, of course, after the third level. So, uh, you know, every day you're talking about to 12, 13 hours of play, including the breaks and the bagging and everything. And he talks about uh, 2011 when he made a deep run and spent about 77 hours playing poker, 24 hours on break, 20 hours watching video of his opponents, eight hours driving, the rest sleeping over eight long days. So he talks about his trips for or his tips for surviving the uh, the World Series of Poker. He said uh, one important thing that maybe a lot of people don't think about is getting their business. Uh, taken care of so that you don't have to think about things during the day and you can focus on the poker. I mean, uh, certainly uh, if you're going to be gone for six or seven days from your house, and a lot of people don't play in that uh, all that often, uh, you need to make sure that you're not going to have the distractions out there. Yeah, and there's so many different things, and that's a great point because, you know, if you do make a deep run, you're going to be out there probably longer than you had normally anticipated. Even though everyone thinks they're going to make a deep run, you don't really plan for that because, you know, chances are you're not going to most of the time. But, yeah, you have to kind of get your affairs in order at home so that way your mind is free to just concentrate about playing poker. That's a great point. No one, I've never heard anybody making that point there before. It's usually about, you know, making sure that you stay mentally focused and everything else. That, that's a tremendous point. Right. Well, he does say you need all the gas in your tank that you can get, so make sure you get plenty of rest and, uh, you know, concentrate on the poker and not going out and having a great time. But he talks about a one hand that he thought was very important for his deep run that one year. Uh, he had Ace King of Hearts uh, in the was dealt Ace King of Hearts and uh, faced an opening raise to 600. Uh, blinds were at 100 and 200 plus the 25 ante. So he said normally this is a standard spot for a re-raise, but he said because it's the main event uh, and growing broke on day one is far worse than just missing out some value on the Ace King. He decided just to call. So that keeps the pot small, and he disguises his hand a little bit. So the flop came ace, seven, tray, uh, just one heart on, on the board. The opponent bet 1,100 into the pot of 1,700 plus. Uh, in any shorter stack situation, he said, I'd be pretty excited to raise and get my chips in. But because, again, this is the main event, uh, it, was, it would be hard for me to get more than three streets of value uh, on this hand. So he said he could bluff. Uh, so he just called again. Okay. Uh, the turn was the nine of hearts, and so now he has the flush draw. Uh, the opponent bet twenty three fifty into the pot of thirty nine twenty five. He called again, and the river was a tray, but not uh, not a heart. Not a heart. So uh, the other player bet six thousand into the pot, which was about eighty six hundred at that time, and he contemplated folding because of this big bet size. And he says, "I had the top of my range." Uh, and uh, generally, it's a bad idea to fold the top of your range to a bet that easily could be a bluff. So he couldn't talk himself into folding. Eventually called, and the guy had pocket aces. Oh, wow. <laughs> he so, was dominated from the beginning. Exactly. So uh, he says, the end of the day, at you know, people ask him, uh, what's a good chip stack to end day one when you start with 30,000? He said, 30,000. <laughs> he said, if you can stay right around that. So he ended the day with just 23,000. But the point of the story is uh, that the important thing was making it to day two, and he easily could have been eliminated yeah. on that hand. Well, yeah, and like you said, in any other situation outside of the main event, it may have occurred. And, Dave, you were saying that it was two route, it's still two-hour levels. Okay. It's still two-hour levels. And here's an interesting fact that I didn't know until I just saw this now. Starting chip count. This year is going to be fifty thousand. Oh wow, up sixty six percent from okay. uh, the yeah. thirty thousand that it's been. Yeah, at. So, that's fantastic. So that's nice. Uh, but his point is, uh, you know, on that hand, he'd only lost about ten thousand on that hand, and he easily could have been eliminated. He said the important thing is to uh, realize it's a marathon and don't punt your stack on the first day. Yeah. And, you know, Bernard Lee kind of gave us that same information one day here on the show that he was talking about how some of these aggressive people are, are overplaying so many hands. And he goes, you know, you, you could just sit back and wait for your hands and more than likely you'll get paid off when you hit them. And, and he kept saying the same thing as Brian here, just, just keep 
keep advancing to the next day, day two, day three. And, you know, if you can accumulate chips in each of those days, you're doing a very fine job. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those of you that are getting ready for the main event, maybe that's your only event this year, uh, good advice to prepare ahead of time. Make sure you get your preparations in and... uh, and good luck if you do decide it, because a lot of these guys are going to be totally burnt out, you know, and, and may be very frustrated by that point. So they may not follow this, this type of advice. Uh, they get into the main event wanting to make up for a bad series and, uh, you know, may punt their stack off on the first day. Listen, <laughs> I, w- I would say that, you know, when when the tilt factor gets very high in this in this situation, that's what occurs. I, I, listen. Sometimes you got to get hit over the head a few times, you know, to to realize uh, you sh- you shouldn't be doing that. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it's great advice given from a lot of top-notch pros, you know, great people. So it's up to the the to the novice poker player or the you know the the rookie to try to take advantage of this and and mold this into whatever convenience they need out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly looking forward to going out there later this summer, and uh, still a lot of stuff to happen between now and then. Jason uh, tries to hone in on his uh, uh, third bracelet. Just to get two is pretty amazing, but uh, you know, as he said, he's still out there laying odds, uh, letting everybody take four <laughs> to one on their money on his money. Uh, if they want to think he's gonna, they're gonna deny him another bracelet. He seems driven, and it looks like he's headed for. Uh, Something very big, no question about it. So that's going to do it for the show tonight. Uh, appreciate you st- stepping in and uh, checking it out. Uh, also look forward to uh, seeing a lot of the uh, poker media fans uh, when I go out there. So I've been reading a lot of their stuff, and I'm sure it uh, should be a lot of fun. So that's going to do it for us uh, here. Geo, thank you for all your work. And check out the show on iTunes, on the Hold'em Radio Network, on Stitcher Radio, on the Poker Fuse podcast page, or our website at PokerActionLine.com. We'll be back with another episode next week. Uh, Until then, uh, for uh, Joe Rodriguez and Gio Joe, I'm Big Dave Lemon saying so long. We'll catch you next week on the program. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.